0: This is Rising Up with Sonali and I'm your host Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Kim Potter, the white Minnesota police officer who killed the 20-year-old Dante Wright saying she mistook her gun for her taser, has just been sentenced to two years in prison for manslaughter. The sentence is far lower than the average seven-year sentence for such charges. Judge Regina Chu invoked the police killing of George Floyd to justify the light sentence, saying, This is not a cop found guilty of murder for using his knee to pin down a person for nine and a half minutes as he gasped for air. But Wright's mother, angered by the light sentence, said, quote, the justice system murdered him all over again. Minnesota has also been rocked by the police murder of 22-year-old Amir Locke, who was killed by a SWAT team that broke into his home while he was asleep, and in the words of his parents, executed him on the spot. My guest is Tiana Mays, Associate Director for the Criminal Justice Project at the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Welcome to the program, Tiana.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: First, let's talk about the Kim Potter, uh, con- the sentencing. This, you know, on the surface, might feel like a victory because I understand that it really is rare. Obviously, it's rare around the country for cops to be convicted and sentenced in the killings of uh, African Americans, but in Minnesota, it is really quite rare. And yet, the parents of Dante Wright did not feel it was justice, right?
1: Yes, you know, I think it's difficult um, for people to understand, but a life was lost, and it's really hard when we're talking about um, what justice feels like and how the Black community is seen um, when it comes to law enforcement and when it comes with engaging in the criminal legal system. And um, I think it's difficult for families when they've lost a son, lost a daughter, you know, lost a loved one at the hands of those who are sworn to protect and serve. And it doesn't feel as if their humanity, the humanity of the person who was killed, was considered in the same light that the courts tend to give um, the law enforcement officers or the former law enforcement officers who actually took that life. And I think that's very hard um, for parents.
0: What do you make of this notion that because Kim Potter made, you know, supposedly made a mistake, she pulled out her gun when she thought she was pulling out her taser, that she showed remorse, you know, she cried during the trial, that that was what the judge factored into the length of her sentence. Um, You know, there are many who fight for justice for the victims of police brutality, who also fight for abolition of the incarceration um, and, and and the carceral system, but of course want the same standards applied to everybody. So it's, of course, tough to root for tougher sentences, but at the same time, do you feel that Kim Potter's
1: humanity was seen, but not Dante writes. In this case, it seems that way, and it might feel that way, especially to the family. Um, there, you know, was reference in the news about the the judge um, was, was, was tearing up. Um, there are references about how remorseful um, Kim Potter seemed as a result of um, the killing of Dante, but at the same time, there is a mother and a father that don't have a son. There there are children who don't have a father. I mean, their family member was taken from them. And so I think for them, part of it, and I can't speak for them, but I think part of it is hard because it seems that look at the humanity of the person who took the life and we don't give it the same weight and the, and the same consideration as the same uh, as the person whose life was lost. And to your point about um, reducing sen- reducing sen- sentencing and um, decarceration, you know that is something that the lawyers' committee has also um, fought for and called for. Um, as we've often seen, Black and Brown communities um, incarcerated at much higher rates. But you know, when we look at these things, I think the biggest I, I think the biggest contrast is how Black people are treated in, the, in in the United States at every step of the criminal legal system, and whether that's when they're engaging with law enforcement, whether they're con- whether they've been um, accused of committing a crime, or even once they're convicted of a crime. When you see the treatment across the board, there is a disparate treatment when it comes to them as people who are accused of something and as those who've been found guilty. Um, and that is really hard in situations like this. It's very very hard. Let's talk about
0: Amir Locke. I feel like it hasn't gotten nearly enough attention. It was a shocking instance of something that was almost reminiscent of the killing of Brianna Taylor murdered nearly 2 years ago um where a SWAT team basically invaded a person's home And within seconds, I mean, and I, you know, as a journalist, I had to force myself to watch the body cam video, which luckily was released early, but literally these cops shot him before he was even barely awake within seconds. I can't imagine Amir Locke had any idea what had happened. Um, You know, and, and just, it's hard to grasp the brutality of what was done to him what are your reflections on on you know yet another awful horrific killing by cops his parents call it an execution
1: it you know to your point it's shocking and um you your heart goes out to the family um you can't imagine what that person felt being startled away what amir felt i mean a few seconds, and his life is gone. He has no idea what is happening. Um, and then you saw the same thing that happens often, which is a rush to, a rush by, it feels like by certain authorities to make cert- to make statements, almost defending um, the the um, actions of the officers. But then also there's a a rush for society to. Um, either defend the person and say, like, hey, he had no criminal record. Hey, he was a he was lawfully in possession of, of his weapon. Hey, like he he's someone who we don't know why he was why what why this happened or how this happened to him. And so I think it's um it's not only shocking, but it's very upsetting that it happens time and time again. And um you see a rush to, I'm not sure if it's to do damage control, but also at the same time. There becomes this uh, this discussion about well like did the person have a criminal record or, or or you know or what was going on with the person and I understand that that's something that maybe investigators might want to take into consideration, but when someone who's just lost their life in such a vicious way um, in such in such a shocking manner, especially after a few years after what happened with Breonna Taylor, we would think that um, when it comes to no knock warrants and when it comes to um, that practice, that you know, as a nation, we moved away from them, especially in most circumstances, if not all. But also um, that we'd be here again, and in another situation where someone within seconds loses their life, and from. You know there's more information to come out the investigation isn't done but from the preliminary discussions and and what happened it doesn't sound like amir had anything to do with what they were looking into
0: i mean the video is is pretty you know it's available for all to see it's it's there doesn't seem to be too many different ways to interpret for for layperson at least what happened there so here we have you know these these two police killings coming almost 2 years after george floyd was killed minnesota minneapolis in particular became this center of American politics and and uprisings and activism. Just uh, about a year and a half ago, the summer 2020 protests drew so much attention, drew a lot of support from ordinary Americans to see, if not a complete uh, rewriting of how police are treated to at least some sort of reform. And do you feel that, that, that there is change happening. Do you feel that there was progress made as a result of those protests? I mean, you know, I suppose if you're a glass half full type of person, you might see Kim Potter's two-year sentence as progress for the killing of Dante Wright.
1: Correct. I mean, you you might see it as progress. I think, you know, so yes, there was progress made in some places. Um, I know that uh, in the Breonna Taylor case, her family worked to um, To work with the city to have a settlement that um, would bring about change and bring change. And to just that, to clarify for our
0: audience that that was in Louisville, Kentucky. So, but yes, go ahead.
1: Yes, in Louisville, Kentucky, that settlement um, was to bring about change and to hopefully make sure that it doesn't happen to someone again. Um, we saw at the national level, we saw the, ju- the Justice and Policing Act, the, ju- the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which unfortunately did not pass, but it actually had a lot of support. And um, this wasn't just something I think that was important. The movement that happened after the murder of George Floyd was not something that only um, I think inspired or pushed Americans to think differently. I think it actually was something that took hold in the world. Um, and I think that that was the momentum that places needed to make a change. And, you know, I can speak on a few places, for example, in Maryland, Maryland passed um, comprehensive legislative police reform right after that, the, the year after that. And so um, it has led to the passing of local laws, which is very important because policing happens most of this happens at a very local level, but when it comes to a national level and the national conversation we're having around it, we still have a lot of work to do and there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of work to be done uh, because the the conversation isn't, um, the, the conversation hasn't moved enough towards progress uh, in passing something like the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act to make sure that not just certain Americans feel safe, but that all Americans feel safe and that all Americans can be treated fairly and justly anytime that they're engaging with our criminal legal system.
0: Let's also talk about the fact that um, at the same time as or just within days of Kim Potter's sentencing, we saw in the federal hate crimes um, case around the killing, vigilante killing of Ahmad Arbery in Georgia. We saw a, a conviction on all counts. Again, something that's somewhat rare, although this was not a police killing. One might see it as a sort of law enforcement adjacent killing. These three white men who had um, some background, I, and I believe, in uh, law enforcement who gunned down Ahmad Arbery in a manner reminiscent of how Trayvon Martin was killed in Florida years ago. And this guilty on all counts um, outcome of the federal hate crimes, uh, does that for you, as a lawyer, feel like there's some necessary acknowledgement of, of what it was that motivated the killing of Arbery? We, we don't often enough see Cases, let alone convictions, under hate crime statutes, right?
1: It, it does feel like there was some acknowledgement, but I think the biggest thing is that that is a, a common theme, that a thread that runs through each of these cases that we've talked about, from talking about Amir to talking about what happened with Ahmad, all the way through, is that there's a level of accountability that the black that black the black community wants to see and that in this case, you get you were able to see it, yes, at the state level, but also within a few days of the Kim Potter decision, you were able to see it again at the federal level when it came to these federal hate crimes. And that's important because what we've seen in the past has been very little accountability. And even though we're not where we need to be with holding people accountable, accountable, whether it's the vigilantes or whether it's people in law enforcement who commit these acts of crime. We are moving forward. I do think, to go back to one of the earlier points you made, I do think, though, that holding up what happened to George Floyd and comparing that to what happens in other cases, that can be problematic for a lot of reasons because what you don't want is... A situation where if it's not as egregious as what happened to george floyd we then don't consider it that we don't consider the behavior as, as as egregious but someone still lost their life and and what's what really is important is that accountability piece and that is what the black community really needs to see and of course when in particular black defendants are put on
0: trial even if they might show remorse or if their actions mistakenly led to the death particularly of white victims we never see that humanity being shown or that mercy or that acknowledgement that it might be a mistake because ultimately the fact that a life was lost is held up but it's generally or disproportionately black defendants Entrapped by the criminal justice system that seem to be subjected to these harsher standards, and their killers to the lowest, the lesser harsh standards. I mean, that is what is so apparent, particularly to Black America. Increasingly, I hope to non-Black America, um, and, and and hopefully percolating into the justice system at large. Right.
1: Yes, exactly. Is that. What you see is that disparate treatment. You see treatment, disparate treatment for Black Americans through each step of the criminal legal system, whether it's when they're initially engaging with law enforcement, whether it's when, what they're, the crimes that they're charged with, and then when it comes to sentencing. And you actually, there's there are statistics, and it shows that when you have a Black defendant and the victim is someone who's a white victim you do see that disproportionate um sentencing and you see harsher you see harsher sentences overall whether the victim was white or black you you tend to see harsher sentences for people of color regardless but especially when the victim was white you you absolutely see that and i think that it's important when we're talking about safety and communities and we're talking about making sure that we hold people accountable that we're able to at least as a nation get to a point where we can have that conversation and just acknowledge that there's a different system that african americans or that black people in america engage in and that we interact with than other than white people and that is it's a different system and there's there's different treatment and it's important to have that conversation because once we begin to have the conversation then you can begin to address it. But at the point that you won't talk about it and you're in denial about it, then we can't take steps to address it. So both sides feel safe. Tiana, give out a website for your organization, the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Absolutely. So the Lawyers Committee, our website is literally lawyerscommittee.org. And we'll post a link to that from
0: our website. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you again for having me. My guest has been Tiana Mays, Associate Director for the Criminal Justice Project at the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights under Law. We've been discussing the police killings of Dante Wright and Amir Locke and related stories. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RUwithSonali.